0: Before we look together at this passage of Scripture, uh, you, you read about me in the bulletin, and that's, pretty, that's accurate, which is always good, right? But I, I am uh, living in Lawrence, and I'm a retired Army chaplain, retired public school teacher, uh, retired from being on the staff at Grace EPC, Retired from Presbyterian. You're getting the picture here about retirement, yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm delighted, therefore, to be able to do this kind of thing, to, to be with you all this morning and uh, to see God's work in Andover, Kansas. And it's, it's wonderful to see. And we'll keep praying for one another. You all pray for Lawrence? <laughs> because it's wild in Lawrence, I tell you. And it's, you, you, secularism has fully gripped uh, the county. And so, uh, please pray for us as well. It's quite a, a calling that we have to, to serve the Lord Jesus in that place as it is here too. And so, uh, we're most grateful for that. So let's look together at God's Word. This passage is a rich passage, I discovered. and And I'm only going to be able to really just get into the surface of it this morning. Um, well, not the surface, but there's a lot more here. Is, I guess, what I would say. Uh, but it's, it's a passage that came to me as a result of, like in art museums, okay, whether it be in Kansas City or Wichita or wherever, um, it, whenever there's a, a section of art from the Middle Ages, medieval or early Renaissance art, one of the topics that you will always see is what is called the the announcement that Gabriel was sent by God to make to Mary and for the longest time I went Ah, yeah well that's obviously medieval Christianity and you know they were really big on Mary and so that's why they have it there and while that's true that's not why these pictures I'm convinced now were painted the way they were. I believe that those artists were onto something, they figured out something quite profound, quite um, quite deep, and quite central to our faith, to what we believe about Jesus and the saving work that he did on our behalf. It's right there in Luke chapter 1. And, and I, I just, I, I kind of kicked myself for flying past this passage all these years until fairly recently. And one of the reasons I got onto this passage was I discovered um, that in the church calendar, the church year calendar, there's something called the Feast of the Incarnation. Okay, the Feast of the Incarnation. And that's what this passage is about. The Feast of the Incarnation recognizes and delights in this passage in Luke chapter 1. Let's look at it in in some depth and see why these artists and why the church over the centuries has considered this passage vital to what we believe. Central to it. So let's look first then at the details of this announcement. What is it that this angel said? Now, verse 26... The angel Gabriel, Gabriel was sent from God. Um, I ran into some a product recently, a, a kind of a, a facial tissue, Kleenexes, <laughs> okay, called Angel Soft. <laughs> Now that we gotta get that out of our minds, y'all. <laughs> so, I mean our, our pictures of angels are not very scriptural most of the time. And 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 this was a very this was a, a powerful messenger from the living God, from the throne room of the great king, from one who was sent by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to this young woman. From the, from the throne room itself. And Mary, as she sees this messenger from God, she knew that this messenger was from her shepherd and her judge. So this is, this is an encounter with this messenger that is, that is powerful indeed, and that uh, something we would now call a supernatural visitation. Um, something that that happened in a way that we're not used to, God sent His messenger from beyond space and time, if I dare say that, into our world to this young woman and said, listen to me, Mary. Your life is about to change. (laughs) Listen to me. The same angel... As mary is to learn came to her cousin elizabeth and the same angel to her soon-to-be husband joseph and makes the same kind of announcement to both of them that god is at work and he's working his plan of salvation for his people and you're part of it in other words Something really was about to change in this young woman's life. And so as as we look at the details of this message, we see that He's not only an angel, He's a messenger from the throne, but He also is part of the eternal plan of salvation. And we see that especially in the language that Gabriel uses here for Mary. She knew her Bible... She knew these words, she knew these phrases that were part of God's promise to his his chosen people. And so lights are flashing in her head. It, it's shining on her. Oh, that's what's going on. When he talks about the throne of, of his father David, look at verse 32. The throne of his father David, the son of the most high God, the house of Jacob forever. He will be great. And then down at verse 35, in the Holy Spirit, the power of the Most High God, the power of the Most High, the Son, this this child to be born will be the Son of the Most High. Now, she didn't understand all the implications of this terminology, all all this at this point, of course, that that comes as, as she continues to see God at work in her own life and in the life of her son. But she knew that this had been the way that God dealt with his people. So this is nothing new to her in that sense. It's new that she's a part of it. But the plan itself, the work of God, is something that she goes, oh, yeah, all right. She recognizes it. And and she sees that as, she, as the angel announces this thing, as we look at His words, we <laughs> see this is not just the plan of God that Mary experienced, but the Trinitarian plan of God. Because we see all three persons of the Trinity right here in this passage. Another great mystery, right? But still, right here in this passage. Because verse 30 says, the favor of God, the favor of God most high, the favor of the Father. And then down at verse 32, He will be the Son Of the Most High God and then verse 35 the Holy Spirit will come upon you the Holy Spirit the Son of the Most High and the Most High the Father all of it is God at work the child to be born will be fully God and fully man and while she didn't yet understand all of this That is what Gabriel announced to her. That's what he told her. The child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, Mary knew where babies come from. Uh, That's important to remember that, okay? Because this miracle that the Holy Spirit works in her is indeed that the virginal conception is the work of God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what Gabriel tells us here. That's what he told Mary and that's what she expected. And it's and as you look carefully at the terminology that Gabriel uses here, he uses the same kinds of words that we speak of the Holy that the scripture speaks of the Holy Spirit when Moses wrote in Genesis 1 about the creative work of the Holy Spirit hovering over the deep and hovering over the darkness and creating out of that. That's part of the work of the Holy Spirit, part of the work of the Son and the Father, of course, as well. But the creative work of the Holy Spirit is what Gabriel emphasizes here to her. And so what we have is what John said so so clearly and wonderfully in John chapter chapter 1 of his Gospel. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us a great mystery that Gabriel announces. Yet true, the incarnation of the second person, a Trinitarian plan to save his people, and it's going to be fulfilled in the womb and beginning in the womb of a young Jewish girl from the obscure, tiny town of Nazareth. No wonder Gabriel began... His announcement to Mary with the words, do not be afraid. She should have been afraid. It's a it's an overwhelming announcement, isn't it? It's a it's massive. I'm, I'm looking for words. It the eternal God took up residence in Mary because he was was coming to save us from the wrath to come. Now, what does this mean then? Well, let's look at that some more. So we've got the actual content of the announcement is pretty overwhelming. And then if we look at the implications of that, the significance of it, of this supernatural work, it's obviously something that human beings couldn't, we 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 don't do we couldn't have accomplished this on our own and it's not merely some symbolic spiritual falderall that, that we're so used to hearing in our culture is it it's not golly mary was really a godly woman and this is, is this wonderful spiritual expression of who she was or something like something kind of misty and hazy and out there like that. No, this really happened. This is is an actual conception in her womb and and a birth nine months later. Not of human means or origin. Uh, One theologian put it this way, he said, Jesus' conception by the Holy Spirit points to his deity. His birth from a woman points to his humanity and so that's what we've got here fully god fully man and it was mysterious this incarnation is mysteriously necessary for our salvation mysteriously necessary to fulfill the promise made to abraham i will make a great people of you in in genesis chapter 12. i will in other words God does not come from all eternity and become a man for no good reason. Makes sense. That's just a logical uh, recognition of what happened to Mary. It was necessary somehow to fulfill the promise that God had made to His people over all these centuries. He said to Abraham, remember in Genesis 12, all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. And now Mary is seeing that coming true. The necessity of the Incarnation too is even in the name of Jesus. You remember what Gabriel told Joseph. You will call His name Jesus. Jesus. He tells Mary, you will call his name Jesus. And Jesus is a Greek version of a Hebrew word meaning he saves. Joshua. Yeshua. Jesus. He saves. He will save his people from their sins. The necessity of the incarnation is what that name is talking about. the Holy Son of the Most High, the Savior of His people, will also reign forever. And again, how important that is to us. Look at Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. This conception produces this kind of Savior for all eternity that we can walk into the throne No, we're to go boldly into the throne room. First Peter 2. 1 Peter 2.24 Jesus, He, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. And then in Colossians 1, this same Savior, Colossians 1, Twenty-one. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he, He, that is Jesus, has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. We've heard those passages before. We know that. But look at it, those passages in the context of Gabriel's announcement to Mary and what she is about to experience. We, as we see that, it's, it's really overwhelming because we see that this passage in Luke 1 is the heart of our faith, it's the heart of what we believe God come in the flesh. The marvelous, glorious work of the Holy Trinity through the eternal Son of God through the holy, sinless Son of Mary, the One who came to pay for my sin and for your sin. That's the significance. That's the meaning of the Incarnation. of Gabriel's announcement. It's going to be an Incarnation. And it really happened. And it was a fulfillment of the plan of God from all eternity, as Paul tells us in Ephesians 1. And especially, as Mary knew her Bible, she had heard this and she knew it, and it was coming to fruition through her. Well, knowing all this and looking at this passage, we have to respond to it somehow. We have to do something with it. We can't just say, oh, that's great. Okay, that's nice. Isn't that a marvelous story? And and the way to to help us determine that response is to look at Mary's. How did she respond to this announcement? She says, how can this be? (laughs) That's, That's the right response, isn't it? Now, it wasn't questioning God so much as wondering how this can happen she and, and Gabriel reassures her Gabriel reassures her when he says to her the Holy Spirit will come upon you the power of the Most High will overshadow therefore the child to be born will be called holy It's the creative again, it's the creative work of the Holy Spirit, and he's reassuring her with this. And either Gabriel told her the truth, or our faith is in vain. Either Gabriel was telling the truth, or "We've got nothing." Now we're used to that phrase in Second Corinthians where Paul says, "If Christ be not raised, we are of all people most to be pitied." And that's absolutely true, of course. But at the other end of the Lord's life, as a man, this is vital too, because somehow it was necessary that the eternal God become a man to to work our salvation. If God did not become a man through the virginal conception of Mary, then we're in trouble. The marvelous miracle of the Holy Spirit. If that didn't happen, then Jesus' death on the cross was in vain because it had to be the perfect sacrifice, didn't it? It had to be the sacrifice of the eternal Son, the the sinless Lamb of God. Now, we of course don't begin to understand all the mystery of it we're trusting the Scripture and Gabriel and God Himself with all of this, because He doesn't reveal it all to us. That's why it's still a mystery. But He came, and He was born, and He lived, and He died, and He rose. Scripture clearly teaches that Gabriel's message was true and fulfilled in God's eternal plan. So we've got to do something with that. Did it really happen this way? It's part of our trust in this God. And look what Mary's response is. Verse 38, Let it be to me according to your word. She heard what Gabriel told her. She knew God. She knew her Bible. And she knew it was true. She badly needed that assurance. Um, I can't imagine pregnancy, duh. I can't imagine that. i let alone imagine a young girl going through the next nine months and then that baby being born. It's, and knowing what she knew, it's, it's incredible. But it's the Word of God and it really happened. It's our salvation. It's the reason that the wrath of God has been turned aside by the cross because the perfect sacrifice was made. She knew that God would provide. She leaned on that truth. She leaned on the truth that Gabriel gave her. Very important that she relied on Him that Gabriel was speaking God's words, even as God had spoken through Moses and the prophet, and the prophets. And, and that truth is what she continued to lead on through her life. Or as, as you remember the phrase later on in Luke, she treasured these things in her heart. I always thought that just was all about the the stable or the and the manger and the critters. No, it's the truth of God that she treasured in her heart and leaned on and relied upon. How much more should we lean on those same truths that God came for us? How vast is the mercy and love of God that he should come in the flesh. We, we just sang of the grace of God and how amazing it is. And that's one of the reasons it's so amazing. That He came. See the power of God by His Spirit. The Most High God doing all of this work. For, As Gabriel put it, for nothing will be impossible with God. So instead of doubting, that neither God nor anyone could forgive my sin or your sin. We must look to Gabriel who announced that God had indeed provided for that. Instead of trying to make myself better, trying to make ourselves worthy of God's work in my life, I see the amazing grace of the Incarnation. Instead of fearing Oh, can I really be forgiven of that? That was so horrible. Will God from all eternity forgive that? The answer, of course, is yes. He became a man and died the eternal son. In the midst of problems or confusion, look at Mary's problems and confusion. Can we not entrust those burdens to such a Savior who came in this way? Can there be any situation you or I face that's so overwhelming that the incarnate Son cannot or will not provide for? I must lean on that. Lean on that truth and rest there. Mary, confused, troubled, fearful, yet what does she say? Let it be to me according to your word. May the Lord help me know and trust in such a God whose will I can completely trust. Gabriel's message should give us confidence to proclaim with our Lord's earthly mother, let it be to me according to your perfect will, as you have revealed it in your word. Because this message and this work because of them The message and the work, I should never be overwhelmed. And when I am, I return to it. The message and the work. I boldly come into the throne room, as Hebrews 4 commands me to do. Because nothing is impossible for the incarnate son. So, concluding quiz. I used to be a school teacher. (laughs) Concluding quiz. What's the significance of March the 25th? Oh, it's nine months before Christmas. It's the Feast of the Incarnation in the church calendar. Whether you go with the church calendar or not, it's not the point I'm trying to make here. The point is the significance of March the 25th. We, we We properly teach our children to celebrate Jesus' birthday. You know, some people even had a cake and everything at Christmas. And, and that's, that's terrific. You know, more power to parents who, who help their children see the birth of the Savior. But likewise, we should help them understand the significance of Gabriel's announcement to Mary nine months earlier. Yes, this is the plan of God. This is the salvation that he brings. Feast of the Nativity in December. The Feast of the Incarnation in March. And may our Lord help us, even as He helped Mary, remember in some way Gabriel's marvelous announcement that this Nazarene girl Mary was giving birth to one whom she would name, Jesus because He will save His people from their sins. Let's pray. Our Father, we confess that we are so forgetful as Your people that we skip whole passages of Scripture that are so wonderfully given. Give us hearts that seek to know You better in Your Word, that seek You daily to to grow in our love for such a Savior who came, for One who came in power, that we might be forgiven and spared the wrath that we so richly deserve. Our Father, we are wretches, but you have saved us. You have saved all who put their trust in you, the incarnate Son, who rose from the dead on the third day. And we praise you for the price you paid and the work you did. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.